Hi, my name is Dr. Mark Alandari, and I'm an infectious diseases specialist in New Orleans. Hi, my name is Hope Hickerson, and I'm a health education specialist and reporter. This is the Noise Filter Podcast, where an infectious diseases physician... That's me, and a health education expert... That's me. Talk about what you need to know to keep yourself and your loved ones healthy. For more information about Noise Filter, your public health podcast, and to watch and share our incredible informative animations, please visit us at noisefiltershow.com. And if you like what you hear, don't forget to leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to us. So let's get started. COVID-19's original antigenic sin. So we're well into our second year. Woo! Mm. Coming around our third, right? Wow. <laughs> Since the beginning of COVID-19, and a lot has changed in regards to the general population's immunity. Within the past two years, people have either contracted COVID, maybe more than once, they've been vaccinated, received a booster, or some combination of the three. Now, in addition, there are some people who have not been vaccinated or boosted, and some individuals who've never had COVID. The result is an entire demographic of people with differing levels of exposure and immunity to COVID-19. Right. At the beginning of the pandemic, vaccine development was relatively straightforward because everyone was in the same position. No one had contracted COVID before, and everyone was equally susceptible. However, that's no longer the case. Now developing booster shots and determining their efficacy is a complex undertaking because of the varying degrees of immunity in the population. This is prompting scientists and experts in virology and immunology to question how the quote-unquote original antigenic sin of the coronavirus will influence immunity and future vaccine development. So the original antigenic sin, or OAS, refers to how an individual's first immune response to a virus will shape their response to future exposures of related strains of the virus. For example, if someone's first exposure to COVID-19 was the Delta variant, then that would influence how they would respond to the Omicron variant. And, and let's just be clear, the word sin really is a red herring. Like original antigenic sin was like probably a clever way of people talking about it because the original sin or what have you. Mm-hmm. Let's be very clear. It's actually very, very poorly named. The original antigenic sin describes how the body's immune cells retain memory or an imprint of the first coronavirus strain they encounter. Does that seem like sin like to you? That seems like a really good thing, right? Like <laughs> that's how the immune system is supposed to work. The body's immune cells retain a memory or an imprint of the first coronavirus strain that they encounter. Yeah. Then an individual's next run in with a different strain of the coronavirus will trigger the immune memory cells known as B cells. And they contain defenses primarily against the original virus they contracted. So vaccines also create different imprints on immune cells, depending on the type of vaccine an individual receives and the vaccine schedules they were on. It's important to note that this phenomenon of original antigenic sin (laughs) is not a bad thing. It represents the ability of our immune system to adapt and retain defenses against the viruses we're exposed to. There's some discourse in the field about how the original antigenic sin will influence future COVID vaccine development. And quite frankly, I think a lot of that conversation is bogus Mm -hmm. because we have seen that with influenza virus, we have a regular influenza vaccine. Mm -hmm. 
influenza is an RNA virus. Coronavirus is an RNA virus. These viruses evolve. In fact, their evolutionary trick is to evolve rapidly to avoid immune response. Right. So hence, vaccinations are incredibly important. So others believe that because there's no certainty around how the original antigenic sin of COVID will play out, moving forward and tweaking the vaccine for a new fall booster is the best course of action. COVID vaccine fall boosters are well underway and already being manufactured. Only time will tell how effective these new boosters will be. And I'm actually recording this in California. Everyone around us here is already getting their vaccines. So get your fall boosters two months after you got your last booster. If you got your last booster months and months ago, go ahead and get your new one. And you can also get your coronavirus vaccine and your influenza vaccine at the same time. I cannot wait. I'm actually taking my children to get their next dose. And then I'm going to get mine at the same time. So excellent. Very excited. (laughs) Good for you. Invasive grass species are creating catastrophic wildfires. Wildfires continue to wreak havoc on grasslands and forests across the globe. These fires threaten wildlife, human life, and farmlands within the ecosystems and have a profound effect on air quality. Compounding these challenges, the emergence of an invasive grass species in the forest in the northwestern U.S. has now been shown to be a contributing factor to catastrophic wildfires, further complicating prevention measures. This invasive grass species is known as Ventanata dubia, is originally native to the Mediterranean, but recently has found its way to multiple forests and grasslands in the northwest. This grass species is what ecologists call fire tolerant, meaning that it likely evolved to withstand and even fuel fires. And ecologist at the University of California explains that this grass species is able to create a self-reinforcing cycle where it helps to fuel fires that kill the native plants in the area, which then allows the ventanata to grow even more. This whole process, in turn, is leading to catastrophic wildfires that are destroying native ecosystems and incredibly hard to put out. This is not just happening in the U.S., but all across the globe. We're seeing different fire-tolerant grass species pop up and perpetuate intense wildfires. Once these invasive grass species have emerged, it's almost impossible to get rid of them. Ecologists and researchers recommend trying to rehabilitate these areas by replanting native plants that are more resistant to fires. However, this may be a short-term strategy that delays, but does not prevent the changing of these ecosystems to ones that are more fire-promoting. Another challenge emerging from the increasingly intense wildfires is the air pollution they're creating. A study published in Nature Communications points a worrisome picture for people living in areas prone to wildfires. These researchers found that air pollution from wildfires caused a 10% increase in hospital admissions and that the smoke particles released in wildfires are almost 10 times more harmful than particles released from car exhaust. Wow. Poor air quality as a result of wildfires is extremely dangerous to young children and the elderly. In regions prone to wildfires such as Oregon, Washington, and California in the U.S., as well as regions in Australia, the air quality can become so dangerous that health officials will urge people to stay inside. Two members of the noise filter team have recently been forced inside because of air quality issues related to wildfires. One of them, noise filter writer Brindley Close, was visiting Sydney, Australia, when the health officials there warned everyone to stay inside. 
She said that the sky was incredibly hazy and walking outside was extremely irritating to her eyes and lungs. Proper air monitoring systems and remaining indoors during these conditions is critical, especially because prolonged exposure to smoke pollution can have detrimental long-term effects on your health. Funding research on these invasive grass species, as well as air pollution interventions such as air filters, will have significant benefits for those living in fire-prone regions. Stabilizing the global climate will also help to mitigate the threat of catastrophic wildfires. Thus, action is needed, and we need to continue doing our part to minimize global warming. Now we have to worry about the grass. Like, I just can't. And we just felt like this was an important story to tell. You know, like you said, I think you have the best response, Hope. Now we have to worry about the grass. (laughs) Right. Thanks for listening to Noise Filter, your public health podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the Noise Filter podcast. Follow us on social media and leave us a review letting us know your favorite part of the show. You can find me, Hope Pickerson, at hopepickerson.com. And you can find me at Dr. Mark Allen Derry or at the Dr. Derry. That's D-R-D-E-R-Y. To see and share our amazing animations and find out more information about us, the show, as well as links to our social media, go to noisefiltershow.com. We are grateful to our sponsors, including Access Health Louisiana and the End the Epidemic Initiative, who are working to bring equitable health outcomes to everyone they serve. Hope, any last words? Stay well out there, folks, and continue taking steps to keep yourself and your loved ones healthy. That includes exercise, a good diet, getting adequate sleep, and seeing your healthcare providers regularly. And protect yourself and others by getting the COVID-19 vaccine and booster, wearing a mask, and social distancing wherever possible. Remember, health is a human right.